You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Pop Culture Cosmos, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, give us that five star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, also Spotify, if you can follow us there, if you can like, subscribe, share, whatever you can do to go ahead and help support us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, or the great shows that my guest has. He's been doing a great job with NBA Draft Junkies and the Run the Floor podcast. It is truly appreciated. Well, if you're Adam Silver somewhere in Orlando right now, assuming that he is still in Orlando right now, you would be a happy camper because not only did you have one great game for NBA Playoffs Day 13, but you had two that came down to the wire Last second shots, last minute decision making, really, really good basketball tonight if you're an NBA fan overall. And here with me today to talk about both games is my good friend. You got to go ahead and check out, again, Run the Floor and NBA Draft Junkies wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, his awesome site, NBADraftJunkies.com, and the best YouTube page for the NBA Draft, and that is NBA Draft Junkies, is my good friend. It is Rafael Barlow and Rafael. <laughs> a couple of great games indeed tonight. Yeah, like you said, Adam Silver has to be happy with the product that was on the floor. We had a game seven and a game two. I don't recall that happening on the same day. Maybe it has, but I don't remember it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was two good games today. It was indeed. Uh, we'll start off with the game seven that finished off the first round for Utah and Denver. And I'll tell you what, my friend, Denver comes out with the 80-78 to 78 victory, but they have to feel very fortunate. Utah came back in that second half. They got on the back of Donovan Mitchell, who had such an, uh, you know, if you look at box score and you say, oh my gosh, he only had 22 points, such an underwhelming game, but he really sparked the second half for the Jazz. Rudy Gobert, of all people, kind of go ahead and and just help them get through it in the fourth quarter but in the end they had a, a lead with a minute and a half left and didn't get the job done man what a a good finish tough finish you know depending on which uh, side of the coin you're on gary harris made a great defensive play and then uh toy craig i don't know why he would he even took the shot if he if he would have well, I, I say this: if Conley would have made that shot, I mean, that would have 
that would have stuck with Tory Craig forever. Yeah. I mean, that would have been tough to, to come back from that because they were up to, he missed a, I mean, layup. I wouldn't say it was an easy, easy layup. But it was still a layup. Moment, still a layup. And he didn't need to take it. No, he should have just backed it out. I mean, yep. but again, he wasn't the one, he was already in rhythm and stride. So, uh, you know, right. who had the ball taking up the court? Was it Murray? I think uh, I think it was Murray that took. So. Yeah, so I think I, I don't want to put the onus all on Craig for taking that that layup because again he was already in stride when he caught the ball. I want to go ahead and put a lot of that on Murray for actually pushing it so strongly up the floor, and then not just bat, you know doing a Steve Nash deal where you're just going through the lane and just coming back out to waste waste some time off the clock to get fouled. That's what I think they should yeah. have done instead. Well, I still Craig. I still think he ran the floor hard to get a layup. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, I know he did. I know he yeah. did. But Murray choosing to go ahead and pass the ball, that's where I think, yeah. was, to me, was the question. Well, luckily for Denver, we we could just sit and talk about what ifs. Because, yeah. um, I mean, that shot for Conley looked like it was halfway down. I know people on Twitter are saying that he should have passed the ball ahead, especially – you know, based off of how he was struggling from the floor, I don't know if he would have been able to get Donovan a good shot yeah. from that angle. I mean, especially how the window on NBA defenses defenses closed. Yeah. I mean, you get such a short amount of time to get off a good shot. Um, so I don't think he took a bad shot. And, man, it seemed like it was 50% in the rim. Yep. And it looks good. Well, one of the things I want to ask you this is – you know, there was a period of time where Denver was dominating. They were up by as many as 19. And there was a period of time when they I think we were up by 17 or 19 with about five and a half left to play in this in the first half. And both Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were out of the game. Donovan Mitchell, I think maybe for rest or foul trouble. And Rudy Gobert definitely had foul trouble at that point in time. And Denver did not capitalize on it. They did not blow this game wide open. I think mm-hmm. if they would have lost, I was going to go ahead and say, I already had actually this mapped out because as soon as it hit halftime, I knew Utah was coming back because you just had that feeling that they had escaped a very tenuous time with both their star players off the court. If they had, if they had ended up uh, losing this game, Denver, I would have actually pointed to then as the, the real turning point in the game. But it almost came to that because – you know, you have those moments in time where if you have your, your top two players down and out and on the bench, you got to go ahead and capitalize on it. Yeah. It was interesting that they were both out at the at the same time. Well, I know, like I said, with, uh, with, with Gobert was foul trouble. It may have been with Donovan as well, but still, you know, when you're going there and having them out at five and a half to play and you didn't get the job done, but you know what? They did escape with the victory. They do move yeah. on. Uh, Murray, he looked really hurt after he took that really nasty Charlie horse from Joe Ingles. Uh, your mm-hmm. thoughts on uh, Jamal Murray going forward? I mean, he just did not look like the same player after he took that hit. He didn't, but he made a big shot. A yeah. big, tough shot off the glass. And it's, he's a gamer. He's he's uh, definitely made a a name for himself in the playoffs. I love the fact that there's a new rivalry out west as far as uh, 
the two players, Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. But yeah, I mean, however he looked at after the injury, he looked healthy when he made the pull-up jumper. That's so, true. <laughs> that was a, that was the big shot. That was the well, I guess Jokic hit the game winner. Yes, but I felt like Murray's shot was. You don't you don't get in that position if he doesn't hit the big shot, especially how you know it's a tough shot, momentum going one way, and he shot a soft touch finish off the window. How clutch? Good, well, let me ask you this: How good was it that the focus shifted away from the guard to guard matchup that we've been seeing for the entire playoffs, and in that fourth quarter? focused in on which center was better, Nikola Jokic or uh, Rudy Gobert, because both, you know, they stepped up their game in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I think Rudy had like seven offensive rebounds yes. in the in the fourth quarter. It was a weird game in the sense that, you know, the whole series has been the guards and a duel, and it's been high scoring. And then game seven, it's the centers late in the game, and it's a low-scoring game. It felt like a Jeff Van Gundy versus Pat Riley game in '94. Exactly, just really a minus, lot of misses. minus the fights. Was it was it the really the clutch defense, or did you see it just as a lack of execution, maybe fatigue, maybe something else? Because I know that was noted on the broadcast today. It could be, but it was a game seven, and yeah, I just think you know in game sevens, how often do you see a, a highly Highly scored game seven. I think, you know, it's win or go home. So the defense is probably locked in a little more. Um, obviously, they got to be tired because they've been playing every other day. Yeah. Definitely advantage to the Clippers in the next round. But it was kind of, I think it was a combination of everything between fatigue to tough defense to maybe guys just weren't on like, like they normally would. But. I'm just still shocked it was eighty to seventy eight. I can't I can't it's hard for me to wrap my mind around this the highest scoring series in the Western Conference. Guys are scoring fifty points and in the last game they only combined for not even what, a hundred and sixty? In a playoff series that is as far as the playoffs as a whole are concerned. That is the second highest scoring of all time behind 1983-1984. So you have that kind of game in the bubble. It was quite shocking, actually, to say the least. Yeah. Miami Heat versus New York Knicks, 94. Van Gundy versus Pat Riley. We had it all in one series. We had the, the Showtime Lakers or the, the, the mid-'80s Denver Nuggets, the Doug Moe teams, and then... Van Gundy and Pat Riley, all in one series. Although we're missing some fights. We're, we're missing some fights. Yeah. yeah. Got to have some punches thrown. There you yeah, go. no punches, no coaches hanging on anybody's leg or, or any of that. <laughs> Very true indeed. <laughs> but getting to Denver's victory, again, uh, credit them for the victory. They managed to pull it out 80-78 to 78 over the Utah Jazz. So they move on against the Clippers. You're right. Advantage is to Clippers because I'm assuming that they start here in a couple days. I so, think. Uh, I'll tell you I think Thursday. Yeah. So if that's the case, my friend, I think is Denver actually yeah, going to go ahead and uh, you know you can expect them to go ahead and do a no show in, on Thursday, but do you expect them to provide any sort of challenge to the Clippers at all in this next round? 
Oh man. I mean this this playoffs has been so unpredictable. You never know. I mean, on one hand I could say Denver could win game one just because they have all the momentum going in and it's really the same pace every every other day. Almost like the Blazers Lakers in game one. Where the Blazers just kinda continue because they were in a must win situation and they carry that over to the next game, but then fatigue ended up catching up with them. Yeah. And game two, I wouldn't be shocked to see that scenario. Uh, I think Denver's going to have a really, really tough time defending Kawhi. He's just too strong for it, too strong for their wings. And then if they put a, a stronger person on him, then you know, he can still shoot over the top. So I think that's going to be a tough matchup. I do think it's a better matchup for them. I think it's a better matchup between the uh, Clippers and the Nuggets than it would have been Clippers-Jazz because I just don't think Utah had enough scoring. Um, I, I I think the Clippers are going to win this series. I hope it's a good series. and uh, But, yeah, I, I don't know if you, uh, Denver has enough. But then having Gary Harris back could make – make a difference. He should be able, as the series goes on, be able to get his legs back. But he made an impact today. I mean, he made it a big play. Series saving play, you can say. I think Jokic has uh, to step up the game. I think Jokic has to play like he did today in order for the Nuggets to have a chance because I believe that he can really dominate the matchup as far as mm-hmm. him versus the LA Clippers picks. Yeah, I definitely think uh, Jokic is going to have a big series. I I can see him averaging 25-plus a game. But then, I mean, if the way that the Clippers struggle with dribble penetration and struggle with Doncic, I, I think uh, Jamal Murray could end up having a big series also. So I'm curious to see what it looks like. I mean, Paul George has to get going for the Clippers. He has to be able to play better than what he's been playing. And then, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the Clippers will win. But if Jokic and Murray can, can uh, you know, just put up big numbers, they may be able to give up a better fight than the Mavericks did because realistically you felt like the Mavs were playing with, with one player. And one, one star and, and you needed your complimentary players to hit shots. And if Luca, I mean, a couple of many players, players play well for the Mavs, but yeah, Denver might have a, a, a better chance. They may just because they have two guys that, that are threats, which the Mavs didn't have for all six games. But I think Kawhi is just going to be too tough to stop. I mean, if they get Porter Jr. matched up on Kawhi, just, as Shaq would say, barbecue chicken. <laughs> barbecue chicken, indeed. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news? 
information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, I'm with my good friend Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. You got to check out what he's doing today, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, NBADraftJunkies.com, and of course, his two great podcasts, Run the Floor and NBA Draft Junkies, available wherever you get your podcasts. The second game, or actually the first game of the night, uh, I should say, was Boston squeaking out a second victory on Toronto. That was kind of a, it's very big surprise to me, but they did win 102 to 99. They uh, actually came from behind in the fourth quarter. Marcus Smart with five consecutive threes. Now you're you're not hearing me incorrectly out there. Marcus Smart with five consecutive three-point shots in the fourth quarter. That got them really rolling and got to put them up, but they almost lost the lead twice to Toronto during the course of the game. But I want to ask you this, Kemba Walker at the very end stepped up big and stepped up big for the Boston Celtics right when they needed it. Yeah, their backcourt was huge. I mean, I didn't, uh, I would have thought that Van Vliet and Lowry had the advantage in the backcourt just because you don't really think of Marcus Smart as, as much of a scorer, even though he can knock down shots. You think of him more as a streaky scorer, but I mean, at least statistically, it seemed like it was close to even, but when it mattered most, the Boston guards outplayed uh, the guys from Toronto. So, yeah, I mean, you don't expect Marcus Smart to hit five threes. No, not at all. Especially in a row. No, no, but he can get streaky every now and then. I mean, it's just like like it was once in every while type of deals where he's did that, I think, last year or the year before in the playoffs where he, he really hit like six or seven threes. And, and yeah. yeah, I remember him doing that in one of the other games in the playoffs, I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, but still he, for statistically, he's not the, the guy you think is going to be able to do that. But it was so funny that, uh, you know, I'm listening to a little bit on radio on the Boston Celtics network, and I'm hearing Sean Marks and Corbett Maxwell and Sean Marks makes the comment that the Celtics are playing with so much poise about a minute after Jason Tatum gets a tee. Inexplicably, inexplicably, you know, right there at the fourth quarter, right when it matters, right when you, they, um, uh, you know, Toronto cuts the lead down to one. And I'm thinking to myself, that's poise? No, that's that's not the kind of poise you want. But still, for the most part, they did, be, you know, they, they were able to go ahead and, and have enough poise to win the game. But yeah, it was, it's kind of a, like, didn't you just call it a minute ago yeah it just kind of seemed out of place right there and then well similar to one they say you know he's 88 percent free throw shooter and he's made 93 in a row and then clank yeah <laughs> it's kind of like the commentator's curse but I, as far as like tatum i know at least on two of those threes he made great passes to to marcus morris i know there was a play where he was on the right hand and he made a right he he just whipped a live dribble one hand pass from 
the the slot to the other slot, hit Marcus Smart and and right in his shooting pocket, he knocked down the shot. Smart gets the credit for it, but it was a play that that Tatum made because of the attention that the defense was playing to him. So and he, he stepped up today. Questions. He really stepped yeah, up today. Thirty four, I believe. Fourteen yeah. of fourteen from the free throw line. That's going to get it done more times than not. Yeah, I mean, I thought Toronto would win in seven. I thought Toronto was definitely going to win game two. I didn't think they'd see themselves in a 0-2 deficit. Game three is, it might be close to panic time for Toronto. It's going to be tough to come back from down 3-0. But stranger things have happened. I mean, I can't think of a team coming back from down 3-0. There there hasn't been. The closest was my Blazers against the Mavericks. I forgot what year it was. Maybe 2002. They were down 3-0. And that was when the Blazers they tied had Zach it? Randolph off the bench. Didn't they tie they it? They tied it, went down to game seven. I'll never forget because uh, somebody got hurt. I forgot who was hurt. And then Zach Randolph was a rookie. He was rarely used. And then Mavericks just had no answer for his physicality. He came in and it was uh, tied up 3-3. They went to game seven. And I li- I was living at home in Nebraska at the time, and we had a tornado watch. And I didn't get to see the fourth quarter. Oh, <laughs> so man. I don't, know, I don't know what happened, but that was the, the only time I can think of where a team came back from down 3-0 and, and, and made a series and forced the game seven. But, yeah, it'll be yeah, it's be tough to beat Boston four times in a row. Um, we, we've seen 3-1. We just saw it today. Yeah. I thought I thought uh, Denver was, was done, and um, – I mean, yeah, so, yeah, this is a, a must, must, must win game for Toronto. I wasn't expecting them to be in a must win situation so early in the in the series, but here we are. Where are they going wrong? Kyle Lowry is not performing at the level that I was expecting him to be. Uh, he, at being that, that clutch performer that he was last season, where are they going wrong? Uh, Siakam is is not even getting you the numbers that uh, normally your leading scorer on the team would get. Uh, you know, OJ OJ Anunoby uh, just he's done a pretty good job, pretty solid. Yeah, asked for a good game today, but I mean, from Van Vliet not shooting efficiently, Cal Lowry not really just making a big impact. Is is that the reason why you think is that backcourt just not making the imprint that you want them to make? Well, I thought Lowry was kind of banged up coming into the series. And I remember at one point they didn't know if he would play game one. So I don't know if he's a 100%. And I mean, I guess this is what people who are critical of Toronto as on their regular season team when it comes down to the playoffs, lacking a, a go-to player is it's going to come back to haunt them because even though CI can put up good numbers, I still don't know if he was feared as a closer. And so far he hasn't, I don't think he scored 20 points in the last over 20 points in the first two games. So he, I mean, a lot of those doubters are, are, you know, pounding their chest and we were right. I know I have a friend, he does not like Siakam and all he says is, if he would have played in the in the eighties, he'd be John Sally. And so now he's on Facebook just saying, "Any John Sally stats today? Well, what did John Sally do?" So, uh, but yeah, must win situation game three for Toronto. Absolutely. So, what do they need to do to 
to execute better for game three before we head on out? Uh, I mean, I think if they can play the same way they played in this game and you take away the five threes in a row from Marcus Smart, then, you know, we'd be talking about a series tied up 1-1. I think uh, they are going to need either Lowry or uh, Siakam to play better. Gasol only had like, I mean, I know he didn't play a lot of minutes, but he only had like six points today, six points. Only took four shots. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to need more production out of that because I know Gasol only had seven points in game one, and I thought he was going to be the X factor. I thought that Boston was um, – yeah, I just thought that Boston was um, at a disadvantage with him down there from his size and his, his experience, but he hasn't he hasn't done much. And then Boston got some really good minutes out of Robert Williams early in the game. Yeah, and I'm I'm also seeing the fact that Kyle Lowry went 0 for 7 from the three point area. I don't see him continuing that struggle. I see him at least being a little bit more efficient in Game Three. And you're right, for Toronto, it is a must, must win game because if they don't, the odds are surely stacked against them. Yeah, big time. Well, my friend, it's been great catching up with you for game, or excuse me, NBA Day 13, as far as the playoffs concerned. My gosh, it seems to almost be going by way too fast. But NBA playoffs, day 13, wrapping up with you, my friend, Rafael Barlow from the NBA Draft Junkies. So before we head on out, Please give everyone give everyone out there an update on what you're doing with NBA Draft Junkies. Same every day. Every day is the same. Just updating the site and updating the profiles, adding videos, and um, yeah, I and I had mentioned on the last episode, I I presented a unique opportunity to my followers on on YouTube that if they wanted to collaborate or or you know, discuss their big board on the podcast or the YouTube channel. I'd be open to it. So I have about four people that I'll probably have one as guests within the next week or so. So just kind of setting that up. And then I have a couple of videos that I need to drop this week. I plan on dropping them today. I've just kind of got busy doing other stuff, but I'll I'll be able to upload the videos tomorrow for sure. Um, just gotta upload them right now. But yeah, just the same. Just updating and. Creating content, I know we're probably down to maybe 45-ish days into the draft, something like that. So it's it's, uh, it's close to, to game time here. I'll tell you what, my friend. Uh, it's always enjoyable when I get to collaborate with you on YouTube, whether it's my channel or one of your channels. I look forward to any time I get a chance to talk to you. We're going to talk about doing or setting up soon that uh, next mock draft 4.0. Or is it 3.0? I think, yeah, it's 3.0 for you guys as far as the NBA Draft Junkies live mock draft. That's been so mm-hmm. much fun. Everybody keeps talking about it. Matt Moderno with the Wizards podcast with Larry Hughes, he was asking about it. So he wants to get involved. So I'm giving him a shout out. I told him uh, I would go ahead and, and hit you up on that. So I'm hoping he'll get to go ahead and get a chance to go ahead and pick. But I'm telling you what, my friend, so many people were actually enjoying what we're doing with the NBA Draft Junkies when we go on that live draft. I'm looking forward to go ahead and doing one pretty soon. At least one or two more before for the draft. Yeah, we can definitely set it up. Yeah, sounds we good. We can definitely set it up. Absolutely. I mean, it's not like you're doing anything else. It's not like you're doing 500 other different things with NBA Draft Junkies. Actually, you kind of are. <laughs> 
Yeah, I got a lot going on, and it's um, you know, I do some skills training, so I've had like WNBA players in the gym, a couple guys that play in the NBA, and right now, if guys are going to go to Europe, they have to be ready. If they get a phone call, they may have to just pack up and go right away. So I've been busy doing that during the day, training. I think I had like three three pros in the gym yesterday and a couple guys that are preparing to be pro or hoping to be pro. So that's been keeping me pretty busy. Um, usually they're gone at this time and I don't have to be in the gym training. So, uh, but the way this situation is going that there's a lot of people, especially guys, even if they're like NBA player, I mean, their off season is probably not going to end until, November maybe. I think I think some teams are starting to have their players back in the gym, but yeah, it's been pretty busy. I'm usually done with training for pros at this time of the year. How's the bike, man? How how are we doing on the bike? I gotta get an update. The bike is good. Um I rode maybe like fifteen miles yesterday. Today I didn't ride because it was storming here in Dallas and it looks like it's gonna be like that for the rest of the week. So I'm a little disappointed I won't get to get my miles up. I hope to do 500 miles this month in August and I'm off to, I'm sorry, September. And I already am down a day because the weather's bad and it looks like it's not going to get nice again until maybe Saturday. Well, I hope that doesn't mean you're going to have to go ahead and double down, man, because it's a lot of work on that bike. I want to, I, I, I want to, I was able to upgrade from a cheap Walmart bike to a Cannondale and it makes the world a difference. And yeah, I, I, I want to be able to do it. My goal was 500 last month. I, I was well on my way. Then I had my little accident. I had to take a couple of weeks off. So hopefully uh, I can, I can get it this month. Well, let's hope you, when you get back out there that you stay safe, my friend, and I'll tell you what, we're looking more, you know, towards the next few days when we got tomorrow, game two of Milwaukee and Miami. I know you and I are just really looking at that one of great interest. Also as well, game seven, the final game seven of the first round. The first round finally ends tomorrow with Houston and Oklahoma City. Any last thoughts on that particular game before we head on now? Yeah, tomorrow is going to be... Man, social media is going to be cracking tomorrow on Twitter because if Giannis goes down 2-0, then all the jokes about him not being a superstar, then all the LeBron should have been the MVP, all of those talks are starting to heat up. Just like they were today, you know, they were talking about you know, LeBron or AD would have guarded Butler. Why why wasn't Giannis on Butler? That's been discussed. We discussed um, it. I asked. We discussed it also. Yep. So then, and, and then the situation with Houston, if Chris Paul wins and they beat the Rockets <laughs> in, in seven games, it is going to be, oh man, it's, it's going to be a wild situation in Houston. Legacies are on the line tomorrow. I mean, we had mentioned it yesterday. If Westbrook loses, and I've already seen like the pictures. They they had a picture of him and Durant. Then they had a picture of him and Paul George and Carmelo. Then they had one of him and Harden. And then they're like, "What's the common denominator here?" <laughs> so um, 
Yeah, I mean, and Westbrook deserves to be criticized after the the last fourth quarter that he had in, in yesterday's game. But all the pressures on Houston, every last ounce of the pressures on Houston. If Oklahoma City lose, even if they lose by thirty tomorrow, the fans are going to, you know, they're going to give them their their credit and because they overachieved. This is house money. Yeah, this is house money. Yeah. So they're playing with house money at this point in time, and with Houston. Again, as we talked about, it is so easy for Houston to play big and play well enough to that they could be beating them by 10, 15, 20 points, whereas Oklahoma City has to scratch and claw and fight for every mm-hmm. single point that they get. And when they win, it's really hard fought. And when Houston wins, it's kind of easy. So we'll see what happens in Game 7. But my goodness, if it comes down tomorrow and it, Miami's leading 2 nothing. And Oklahoma City is moving on to the next round. That will probably be a very interesting conversation. Yeah, it will. Social media will be a wild place. I mean, the criticism of Harden and Westbrook, same for D'Antoni. He might as well not even get on the plane to fly back <laughs> with these guys because Daryl he's... Morey. Yeah, and I, I had mentioned that to someone today, is that... Um, he could possibly be out the door also. He will be. I, I think it's championships or bust for him after the China comments. See, that's what I thought. But then if I'm the owner and I and I already want him out the door, I don't know if I give him the green light to double down on small ball. Because even if they do fire him, then whoever they bring in to replace him is going to have to trade away some of the guys in the small ball line up and I mean it's going to be a scramble because you're going to have to basically build another team and figure out an offense that complements these guys so I don't know I mean I think it's a strong possibility but like I said if I'm owner and I'm already done with the guy as the GM I'm just waiting on a situation for him to lose I don't I don't know if I allow him to just go all in on his small ball fire in my mind I'm thinking about replacing him but it could be a possibility, but yeah, it's a lot on the line in Houston. And I, I think like I'm like most people, I wanted to see, or I want, I want to say present tense. I want to see a Rockets Lakers second round matchup. I want to see those different styles compete against each other. And Oklahoma city versus the Lakers is going to be, I mean, even if you're, the NBA and the ratings-wise, you do not want to see the Lakers and the Thunder in the second round. It's it's, it's not must-see TV. But it is a little bit easier, I think, if that's the case. Because, well, if you're going off by the regular season, because the Lakers did play Oklahoma City better than Houston. But you're right. As far as the dynamics are concerned of small ball versus tall ball, definitely that would be one to see. But, again, this time, 24 hours from now, It'll be a very interesting conversation either which way because Miami and Milwaukee and also Houston and Oklahoma City, they face off tomorrow in day 14 of the NBA playoffs. So we're looking forward to it. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow from NBADraftJunkies.com, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. And if you want to go ahead and have a question for Rafael or give him a shout-out comment on Twitter while everything is going on tomorrow. Best place to go is at Barlow500 or at NBA Draft Junkies. For me, if you want to give me a shout out tomorrow, at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter or Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. 
And my friend, it's been great talking to you as always. I look forward to our conversation tomorrow because either which way is going to be very interesting indeed. I hope they both come down to the wire like they did today. That would be awesome to see just these close-knit games right down to the wire. So I'm hoping for that tomorrow right here in the NBA playoffs as we continue to cover it right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.